Hi everyone, welcome to the Teen Talk Show. My name's Gracie and I'm your host. I'm a speaker, homeschooler, and Christian. And I'm super excited to start this community of fellow believers to encourage and to edify one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. When two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. And that's exactly what this podcast is founded on. Community, loving God, loving others, and loving yourselves. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Teen Talk Show with Gracie Clark. My name's Gracie. I'm your host. Pretty sure that's in the intro, but I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, so today I'm going to be talking about why do bad things happen to good people? And I feel like this is a topic and a question that every single person asks themselves. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's the age-old question, and I'm going to answer it and put it in as simplest form as I can for you guys to understand because it took me a while to grasp it but I think I understand now so anyway before we get into the episode I would like to say please follow me on Apple Podcasts if you guys are listening through Apple Podcasts um, make sure to subscribe so you can get notified every time I post a new podcast on Thursdays it's currently 8 50 in in the night um, and I should be in bed just kidding I okay so guys I'm kind of an old person I like to go to bed early and I like to wake up early so I go to bed early, wake up early. Anyway, not night owl at all. You guys are probably thinking, wow, she's weird for wanting to go to bed, but this is how I am. Anyway, so um, today I'm really excited. Um, also, if you guys want to go ahead and leave a review on the podcast, just take just a couple minutes to leave a review, leave some feedback so I can, um, you know, learn how to change, stuff like that. I love hearing your guys' feedback to, uh, you know, see what I need improvement on, um, you know, just your thoughts on the podcast itself. And it also helps people see that this is a good podcast to listen to, which helps further the gospel. Um, also, if you want to go ahead and check out my Instagram down in the description box below, if you want to get a hold of me, you can um, message me either through my blog or you can message me through my email. My blog, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, it'll say at the bottom, never miss a thing. And you can um, contact me through there, put your name, your email, and your message, and it'll send it to me and I can get back to you through there. Or you can just direct message my email and that'll also be in the description box below. Um, when you click on the episode, there'll be a little description below the play button. You click on more and there'll be, um, you know, social options that you can choose um so you can go ahead and do that but without further ado i'm really excited for today's episode so let's let's get into it so this is a tough question and it's a tough concept to grasp um but you must understand before we you know get into why do bad things happen to good people we need to grasp the fact the bad things, they do not come from God. They do not come from God because God creates good things. Um, and there's an article um, that I'm pulling up from blueletterbible.org. Um, and the article is titled, um, Did God Create Evil? And um, I found this very interesting. Um, it says, so did God create evil? One passage of scripture seems to teach that God created evil. In the King James Bible, Isaiah 45, 7 reads the following. I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. However, this is not what the original Hebrew says. Um, 
One sec. It says this. The word translated evil is the word ra. It also means sorrow, calamity, disaster, afflictions, and adversity. Modern translations have correctly translated the passage with a different English word, such as the following example. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Therefore, the scriptures do not teach that God is the originator of evil. Um, and then here it says, God did not create evil. Neither is he to blame for all the evil in the universe. God could have made people in such a way that they would be robots and would react when God made them do so. But that would not give humanity any significance. God decided to make people in such a way that they could choose whether or not to obey him. And so... Um, that brings me to my next point. God didn't create evil. Evil came from a choice. It's a choice um, from one of his fallen angels, and that angel was Lucifer. And, um, you know, a little backstory on um, the devil. I'm pulling up the article right now. Um, openbible.info is one of the um, just a great um, resource to look up. If you type in openbible.info, you can go to their online um, website uh, and click on the topical Bible tab and you can type in anything. It says, what does the Bible say about? And then you can type it in um, and it'll give you a list of all of the, you know, references to what happened. Um, and so I typed in when Lucifer was cast out of heaven um, and it didn't really give me an exact story, but we do know the story behind it. Um, and there's bits and pieces, but Revelations 12, 7 through 9 says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Um, and later on, it talks about how the dragon is, you know, the serpent and Satan. Um, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He is thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So we know that the dragon or the serpent, that is Satan. And we know that his, um, the dragon's angels, we know those are demons. Um, and God, cast them down uh, from heaven because they no longer had a place in God's glory. Uh, Lucifer wanted to become God. He no longer wanted to worship God. He wanted to become God. And, um, you know, we know that this happened before um, God created the world because Satan first comes in as a serpent to Adam and Eve. Um, so we know that this event took place before that. Um, so definitely not in the end times when this is, you know, Revelation 12 is kind of based towards the end times. But we already know that this has happened. And um, so Lucifer wanted to become God. He didn't want to worship God anymore. He was one of the head angels. Um, and God saw that he had turned away from his heart. And he cast out Satan from heaven. Luke 10, 18 says, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Um, you know, I'm looking at these other verses, sorry. Um, but anyway, he was cast out from heaven. And what I thought was very interesting always is the fact that God's worst enemy, his worst enemy, the one that, that, you know, we're all in spiritual warfare with, 
was one of God's close acquaintances who helped him, who, you know, was one of God's servants, um, who was in high authority. You know, he was someone who was powerful in God's eyes. And he decided, you know, that I'm going to um, reject God and follow the own way. And so I thought it was just very interesting how God is, um, Satan is one of God's close acquaintances. Um, and, and then I also thought it was interesting that humans were created with a choice and we have this choice to choose whether we follow the narrow path or we follow the wide gate. You know, the narrow path, it's, you know, it's rough and it's rocky and it's narrow and it's hard and it's, um, but in the end it leads to eternity in heaven and the wide gate, it's, it's easy. It's not rocky. It's not bumpy. It's not windy, but in the end it leads you to the place of hell. Do you want to go to hell? Um, and I always thought it was interesting. Sorry, I'm going to type something in real quick. Um, but I always thought it was interesting that the Bible talks about hell more than it talks about heaven and just thinking about you know why does the bible talk more about hell than it talks about heaven is because god wants us to know that you do not want to go to hell revelations 21 8 says but as for the cowardly the faithless the detestable as for murderers the sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death so once you die and you go to hell it's a whole nother death that you have to you know go through for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. We need to know that hell is going to be hell. It's going to suck. It's going to be fire. You know, people think that hell is going to be some awesome party, but hell is going to be hot. It's going to be fiery. It's going to be the second death. The place where you do not want to go. Revelations 14, 11 says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark of its name, they're going to toil forever. They're going to keep on toiling. It's There's never going to be rest. It's going to be horrible. Second uh, Thessalonians 1, 9 says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord for the glory of his might. Matthew 13, 50 says, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, Jude 1, 7 says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Revelations 20, 14, the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And it goes on and on about how horrible hell is going to be. The list goes on. I'm only at the top of the page here. It goes all the way down. You know, we are given this free gift. Mark 9:48, where their worms do not die, the fire is not quenched. We keep going. Luke 12:5, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who has or sorry, 
Fear him after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. We need to be scared of hell. And I'm kind of getting a little off topic here, but we should be scared of hell. And this is hell's creator. Well, I'm trying to remember, does God create hell? I'm going to look that up real quick. Um, so it looks like, um, so the question, did God create hell? Answer, hell is a place of suffering originally prepared by God. So yes, that means God did create hell. Um, and it's going to be horrible and it's going to be fiery. So, you know, the person who reigns over hell, Satan, he's the one that creates the evil. God does not create evil. He only creates good. Only good can flow from him. And so you're probably still thinking like, oh, well, that doesn't necessarily answer my question on does God, like, why, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And this is the simplest, best way that I can put it. But before I explain it, I will give you the verse reference because it'll make more sense if I, you know, read it to you guys. Um, so Romans, I'm going to flip that real quick. Um, and this, I think, is the best way to explain it because if I do it, I'm just going to fall short of it. So um, Romans 5 uh, three through five says, and not only that, but we should also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that the affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces character and proving character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, uh, who was given to us. Um, and so that means that God allows bad things to happen to good people because it produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope that cannot fail. More than that, we should rejoice in our sufferings, rejoice in them. James 1, 12 uh, through 18 says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. See? So God does not do this to us. He allows things to happen to us for a purpose. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. See? But then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you need to have endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. James 1.2-4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, Colossians 1.11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glory and might for all endurance and patience and joy. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And the list goes on and on. 
And so whatever you're going through, whether it's the loss of, um, of a family member or, um, you know, you were in a car accident or something horrible happened to you, you're struggling with a breakup or you're struggling with anxiety or depression, these are just trials of this life. But if we endure them, if we have steadfastness in God, it produces that hope that cannot be shaken. The reason why God lets bad things happen to good people is so we can find our hope in God. So we don't keep coming back to the same sin that we just keep going through over and over again. He's like, I'm going to put a trial in your life right now to teach you that you can find hope in me. You can find hope in me. It, so, he, so you don't have to keep depending on the world. So you can find hope in the Father. So you can grow in Him. And I've got just a ton of verses for you. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1, now faces the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Uh, you know, Titus 2, 13, waiting for our blessed hope, that appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalms 31, 24, be strong and let your hearts take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promises before the ages began. We have hope in God, and that is the exact reason why we need to be going through these trials. Whatever trial you're going through, whatever it is, you know, I've gone through multiple trials in my life, and I've only been on this earth for 14 years. And I know there's more trials to come, but instead of looking at it as something that's like, ugh, a trial, whoop-dee-doo, life sucks, I look at it as joy. I look at it as an opportunity to grow in God's word. I look at it through the lens of hope. Once you realize that hope is of the things not yet seen, hope is is in God. Hope is in something that you you don't have control over. Hope is holding on to Christ, leaning on him, holding on him, knowing that he's in control because you are not of your own. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have this hope for tomorrow. You know, I think one of the reasons why people get so down and so depressed and so anxious and, you know, are fearful It's because they don't have hope for what tomorrow brings. This life is the only life they have. That's why they try and fill it with, you know, sexual immorality and praising of the body and working out crazy. It's because this is the only life they have and they don't have hope for what tomorrow has in store. I was just thinking, so think of like a giant number line. And you know how number lines, if they've got um, an arrow on the end, it means they go on forever. 
It's infinite. Now, you gotta think of, like, the tiniest millimeter, right? Think of the tiniest millimeter. On the very end, so one end has an arrow, the other end is just, it's cut off, and a millimeter of that, on the end of that number line, is our life here on Earth. And from over on, like, I'm thinking of this, like, the millimeters on the left side and the arrows on the right side. So eternity is going to go on for eternity, forever. And I saw this thing and I was just like, wow, that's true. Um, it said, life's short, better enjoy it. How about eternity's long, better prepare for it. And I was like, Wow, because people always say, life's short, better enjoy it. Go do the stupid thing that you've been wanting to do. You know, go go have sex because it's going to make you feel good. But, like, sexual immorality is going to get you to hell. I mean, we read the list of things that are literally sins that will get you to hell. All sin is sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. Sin is sin. But if we just take this millimeter of life that we have on earth right now. And we we prepare for it. We follow the Lord. We get ready. Then we have all eternity to spend with Jesus. I mean, yes, we'll be persecuted. Yes, we'll be hurt. Yes, we won't be liked very much. But we will have hope in Christ for what tomorrow has in store. We are not promised tomorrow. God could come back any day. He's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come back any day now. And when he does, are we ready for it? Are you ready? Are you prepared to see God? Life's short. So you better prepare for eternity. Prepare for eternity. This life is just a minuscule one. This place is not our home. And we get so comfortable here on this earth, but we need to realize this place is not our home. Our home is with Jesus Christ for the rest of our days. And that is why it is so worth living your life for Christ. People might think like, why is it so worth it to live your life for Christ? How is it not? You get a gracious father. You get eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you die, you get to go to heaven. And God says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Instead of turning you away and saying, I have never known you. You don't get to burn and rot for eternity in hell. It's going to be hot. You will never rest. There will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. There will never be any sort of rest. So don't get comfortable here on this earth because we have eternity to live for. So I've got, I've got one more analogy. Um, and as I was writing this, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, so... I wrote here, to put this the simplest way possible, it's to build character. That's why God allows bad things to happen to good people. Um, and, you know, when we give our lives up to Christ, we are not promised that our lives are not going to be full of misery. We are not promised that, you know, God takes away all, 
all hardships. We are not promised that we're never going to have trials. We are not promised that there isn't going to be hardship and pain and suffering. But we are promised to have hope in God. Because I still endure hard things. I still endure trials and heartache and pain. But the thing that I have is hope. That thing that I look towards is hope. When I'm struggling and I'm stuck in this trial and it just continues this circle of worry, I can still look my eyes up to Christ and I have a hope for what tomorrow brings. Because I know I'm not promised tomorrow. So it's to build our character. It's like working out, you know? If you, um, if you work out every single day, what are you going to do? you're going to get stronger. You're going to get leaner. You're going to get more muscle. You're going to become, you know, more fit, right? So if God continues to put us through trials, if we continue to be stretched, if we continue to be worked out every day and pushed and, you know, if we are continued to, to do these hard things, what are we going to become? We're going to become stronger. We're going to become, you know, we're going to grow and we're going to have bigger muscles and we're going to, you know, work our, um, our relationships with Christ and we are going to become stronger in our relationships with the Lord. We're going to become strong. We're going to become powerful. We're going to become ripped. Okay. We could use that. We could become ripped in the word. Okay. Well, that just sounded like a very Gen Z thing to say, but like, am I wrong guys? Um, But yeah, it's like working out. The more you work out, the stronger you get. And the more you are put through trials, the stronger you are. I mean, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Am I right? What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. We need to look towards our Father. Trina. Right? Because if God is for us, who can be against us? We can grow in the Lord when we are being pushed to our max. That is where we find the Lord. When we are at our all-time low, we can find him there. You know, praise God in the valleys. Praise God in the mountains. Praise God when you're in between. Praise him all the time. But sometimes it takes us to get to our very minimum where we have nothing left. When we are broken completely. Where we are falling apart literally to pieces. We have nothing else to live for until God's like, look to me, see what I did for you. And I, guys, I just, I get emotional about it because if you actually think of the imagery of God standing there on that cross, getting pounded, you know, with nails into his hands and thorns driven into his head with a spear into his side. And he he said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? He feels hurt. He feels scared. He feels broken. But he did it for me. And that's why I just get, I so, I just get so emotional towards Easter time because it just reminds me of how good of a father that I serve. Of how loving of a father that I serve. Of how forgiving of a father that I serve and since he did all of that for me I need to give my life up for him it's a free gift that I don't have to pay anything for it's a debt that I'll never be able to repay 
All I have to do is live my life for Christ, grow in him, be persecuted, you know, for my faith because being a Christian is hard and people hate the truth. But once you know the truth, the truth can set you free and you can't turn back. You can't. Once you see it, you're like, Lord, you did this for me. Why? Thank you. You can't help but thank God for what he did. It, it just blows my mind that he would do something that big for my sins. I mean, you guys know how hard it is to, you know, forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? You know, it's hard to forgive someone who continually rejects you, right? When you want to be friends with someone, but they just keep ignoring you. They keep rejecting you. They keep turning you away. They keep treating you like garbage. They put you on a second pedestal. How does that make you feel? And then you got to think about what God did for you. How, how he gave his life up for you. You know, we continually reject him in our hearts. We say, no, Lord, we want sin. We want nothing to do with the truth. We want to live in our own desires. We often trade truth for a lie. Because we don't want anything to do with the truth. Because the devil is the deceiver. And he wants us to believe that false is the better truth. But it isn't. Truth is truth and it gives life and it gives hope and it produces endurance and it produces things that we cannot believe because when you struggle with the hardship, when, when you lose a family member that you love dearly or when you go through a breakup or when you're struggling with sexual sin and lust, when you're, when you're going through the anxieties and the motions and the worries and, you know, what is life going to look like in the future and how you're adulting and it's scary, but like, we have a hope for tomorrow. We get to turn our eyes upon Jesus and see a hope that other people can't see. Sin is very self-seeking. It always wants us to be focusing on ourselves. But it's not about us. It's about God. And truth isn't, it doesn't change from person to person. You know, if I feel this way, you know, that doesn't mean it has to be the same for you. It's like saying, I don't believe abortion's okay, but it's okay if you get an abortion. But we know that abortion is murder. It's like saying, Sex is not okay for me until I get married, but sex can be okay for you. But the Bible says sin is sin. And we got to remember, bring us back to what God did for us, especially as Easter's over this weekend, guys. Tomorrow's Good Friday. It's going to be so great. And um, I just, I love just listening to the Easter sermon again and just trying not to cry in service. I'm just like, wow, Lord, thank you so much for what you did for me. And I, I didn't get that imagery till I was like, probably like 10 or 11, possibly 12. I didn't realize, you know, I'd heard the Easter story over and over and over, but it never hit me as hard as it did. That one day in Sunday school, I was sitting there and it just hit me like, like a train. I was just like, oh, this perfect man died for my sins. He was scared. He was broken. He was worried, but he died for me. 
turn your eyes upon Jesus because he is the hope that we look to in our trials. Like, that's why James says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. You're probably thinking, why? Why should I find joy in it? Because it produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. A hope that we don't have if we don't face these trials. Life is never going to be all sunshine and lollipops, okay? Newsflash, life's not perfect. We were born in a sinful world, but we have a hope. And I can never emphasize on hope enough because our hope is in Christ alone, his righteousness and not my own. It's not about what I do. It's about God. He died for us. And as this weekend goes on, I want you guys to really reflect on Christ's death. Just close your eyes and think about that man sitting there on the cross dying for your sins. Think about the blood being poured out of his side when he was stabbed. You know, you got to think about it because if we don't think about it, you're never going to see it. You have to think about it. Realize that this is what God did for you. Realize that it's a free gift and all you have to do is take it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus because he is the only hope that you will ever have in this world. Because this world is never going to treat you the way God does. It's so amazing and we serve such an amazing father. A gracious, wonderful, loving, forgiving, and the list goes on and on. He is such the, he's the best person ever. There is such a friend that we have in Jesus I mean, do you know any other friends who actually died for you? Do you know any other friends who died and then three days later rose from the grave? I don't think so, okay? He's the best friend you are ever going to have in this life. And then you get to be his friend for the rest of eternity because life's short and eternity's long, so better prepare for it. I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy your Easter. Focus on what God did for you. And realize this gift, this beautiful imagery, the death that he paid for your sins. Before we end the episode, I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Please leave a review if you can. It helps people to know that this is a good podcast to listen to. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. If you want a shout out for next week's podcast, you can go ahead and find me on Instagram. My Instagram is at team underscore teen underscore talk. That's at T-E-A-M underscore T-E-E-N underscore T-A-L-K. You can find that in the description box below. Click on any of the links. You can also find my blog which is teamteentalk.wix.com slash godblog or you can email me and my email is teamteentalk at gmail.com all of those links are down below for my socials have a great rest of your day and i'll see you guys next week